ladies and gentlemen, around the world and around the internet, stuck in your houses, I am Ben Frawley, your host, coming at you live from the onstage blog, it's Desperately Seeking Entertainment, with me tonight, my esteemed colleague, Josh Tonder. what's going on, Josh? Hey, Ben, it's really good to be here, I'm sorry I missed out last week, uh, but I got a whole bunch of stories, I got a bunch of YouTube, raring to go. Yeah, me too, yeah, me too. You know what? Folks, if you're joining us for the first time, where have you been at? You know what I mean? We're entering our second year of podcasting. Our numbers are through the roof. People are talking about us. We got ratings on Spotify. We got ratings on TuneIn. We're everywhere. So please check us out. But if you're tuning in for the first time, we dig into everything entertainment, right? Uh, So Lynette and Chris are usually here. They're usually our theater correspondents. But tonight, this is the pod. Like, Josh, you were saying, this is the pod just for us right now. We're going to get into some nerd shit that only us and a handful of other nerds around the world will get into and understand. (laughs) So we're going to talk nerd speak at each other. But on this podcast, Josh and I are going to bring five, count them, five different stories. And on the air, we don't know what's what's going on. It's kind of like a PTI for entertainment. The other person doesn't know what the other person's bringing. We're going to rock and roll. You're going to get live reaction on the air. So Josh, why don't you start us off, bro, with your story number one. All right, my friend. Um, It's not nerdy yet. But we're gonna get there. All right. uh, this past uh, this past Sunday, uh, lamentably, were the final two episodes of The Last Dance on ESPN. Uh, I know you watched it. Let's get into um, it. I don't know if you enjoyed it as much as I did because I don't know that it's possible for anybody to enjoy it as much as I did. Um, I don't know if it's a com- it's a combination definitely of the current sports environment and lack thereof. Uh, in our quarantine world. Um, but this was really great. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, kind of all knew what it was, uh, what it was building towards, you know, obviously it's about the 98 season, um, but about Jordan's entire career, uh, and, and, you know, how it ended up, um, Michael Jordan, you know, in the interest of full disclosure was my favorite non Celtics player of all time. Um, I think everybody uh, in my generation had their favorite player. And then unless they were a Bulls fan outright, their second favorite player was Michael Jordan. Um, Everybody had the poster. Everybody had the T-shirt. And so it was a nice walk down memory lane uh, to watch those uh, those 10 episodes. Um, I don't know that it's the best sports documentary that I've ever seen. But it's up there, uh, and and so it got me thinking uh, about uh, you know what the best sports documentaries of all time were and where the Last Dance uh, fits in uh, fits in that list. Um, and I know you watch a lot of sports documentaries yep. too, Ben. Yep. What's your favorite, and where did the Last Dance rank for you? And and then I'll tell you my thoughts. Okay, so I mean, I got a couple thoughts about the Last Dance. Um, you know. I, I think the thing that spoke to me is uh, I watched it with my six-year-old, which is always a hard ask. You know what I mean? Like asking a kid to sit down for a documentary of things that have passed and stuff. But was fascinated at this man who is the, the greatest of all time. You know, uh, the, the, the practices they showed, it was enthralling even for a six-year-old. And, you know, for me, Josh, you're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, anyone around our generation – if you didn't have a Jordan jersey, what what are you doing in the 90s? I don't even know. What, you know, I don't even want to know you. 
like you know, even being from Connecticut, like it was just, it was just bulls and cowboys, and God damn, if I'm gonna wear a cowboys jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was definitely wearing some bulls gear. I mean, if you didn't know who Michael Jordan, especially if you played basketball, I mean, he is the greatest. And I think something that was reinforced in us is he is the greatest. And I loved how. They used the best part of this documentary for me, Josh, was they used that that unused footage of the '98 season. You know, what I mean, that was on okay. film, so it looked beautiful. And you got some. I think if they released this at the time, it would have been scandalous the things that he was doing because this is pre-internet, this is pre-Twitter, pre-everything. So to see Michael Jordan swearing or to see him smoking so many cigars or drinking so many Miller Lights before a game would be so <laughs> scandalous. It, it, like he would lose sponsors, like uh, McDonald's drop Michael Jordan or something like that. Like nowadays, this is so tame. And I think the thing for me was the things that would have been scandalous back in 1998, you know, with the paparazzi all over him just going crazy is so tame when you see these crazy uh, domestic violence scandals and awful things happening with, uh, you know, NFL players and NBA players like this was it ain't no thing. Jordan was just there to win. Yeah, he rags on this player and he gets under their skin and so so what? You know, that if our players of today's like high caliber were just to be involved in scandals like that, my god, there would be no stories on the internet anywhere. So, I think that was refreshing like even though like but like at the same time I know there's things that they left out. I know there's things. This wasn't an exposé you know, you know, e true Hollywood stories or something like that. It, it that's not the point of this. Um, for me, Josh, this might be a little hot take. <laughs> this might be a little hot take. This was supposed to be. I mean, what's the? Uh, all right, correct. All right, this might be a crazy question I'm about to ask you. Was okay. the point of the documentary supposed to be Michael Jordan, or was it supposed to be about the '90s Bulls? Well, I, I, it was supposed to be about the Bulls dynasty, right? As but but the two things are inextricably intertwined. Like you can't of, of you can't have the documentary about the Bulls without having it it be about Michael Jordan. I mean, everything before Michael Jordan arrives there for the Bulls is forgettable, and everything Definitely that happens after, after he leaves. <laughs> It, it's not that it's not forgettable. It's just, it, it's, it's got to suck. I mean, for, for people who came up and are like, I am a Bulls fan for life because I came up with them when they had Jordan. And now you had a couple of good years with Derrick Rose before Derek his, Rose. his knees right. got screwed up. Um, and after that, you know, what has there been? Everybody else has passed them. All the other power teams you know, in the East, for God's sakes, even the you know now the Bucks have passed the have passed the Bulls. I mean, th thankfully the Knicks are still out there, um, and it, it did entertain me watching you know the '93 Conference Finals and Charles Smith getting blocked and stolen from four times down at the yeah, down at the yeah. basket in Game Three, um, or I think no Game Five, and the way it changed that series, um, you know, because he's a pit guy and fuck pit. Um, but you know, I, I think that you can't have one without the other. And so, you know, it was ostensibly a documentary about the Bulls dynasty, but it's also, 
it was clearly about Jordan, and I think it doesn't it doesn't get made without him signing off on oh, it. Oh, of course, oh, of which course, is, and and which is why course. it doesn't become like the expose, right? And I I just think you know I'm I when I when it comes to movies when it comes to documentaries I like you have a setup. You know what I mean? In a in a classic film, you have the ten minute setup. You know, it tells you who your good guys are, what's going to happen, what we're going to accomplish, and then here we go. You know what I mean? If you know, it's it works best if uh, your main character's in the title. Even Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he's going to take a day off. You know, <laughs> it's like I, call me simple, right? I just I like the the setup, so then we can play with it. And this might be a crazy take, but I wanted more. I mean, there was a lot of Steve Kerr. There was a lot of Scottie Pippen. I just, it's hard for me to say this. I i feel like I missed those guys. I wanted a little more of those guys. And listen, yes, you're totally a thousand percent right. This documentary is definitely not as interesting. It's not getting made if he's not in it, if he's not executive producing. I get it. Don't get me wrong. But the whole, as a whole, I think the focus was a little too, wow, was a little too Jordan-centric. I can't believe I'm saying this. Wow. And I believe it's, and not by much. I'm not going to say it's, like, totally off. And this is what discredits me from being the greatest sports documentary of all time, where, you know, you have your main focus, and then the follow-through is about this main focus. Like, there's a, a good guy, a villain. Like, I like documentaries, just in general, when it has that traditional screenplay setup. You have your protagonist, antagonist, your protagonist's goal, you know, the, the whole climax, the denima, the whole thing. You, we ride the roller coaster. And this, it went off a little too much into Jordan land. And maybe it's because I know all this stuff. Maybe it's because I've read all these things about his father. I've read all this stuff. Like, the whole Steve Kerr father thing was fascinating to me. It's something that I've heard about. But that was the, I was like, oh, my God, we took this long to get here. This is, I, I can't, I'm gripped. And then anything about Scottie Pippen, to me, the number he's the best number two guy in the game of all time. And like if, if Scottie Pippen's on your all time list of players, you're going to win any game ever. I mean, the guy was just a beast on the court, even when he was hurt. And anything about his life is fascinating. Maybe these people are really boring and maybe we were just boring in the 90s. I don't know. That's my little take, Josh. OK, no, I, I, I get it. I, I think part of it is, you know, the hindsight of. This movie being made 22 years after the the 1998 finals, I think if you had made a if if this documentary had been made in you know 2000, you're probably not getting that much of a story about Steve Kerr because he's not as interesting then as he is now. I mean now he's a he's a disciple coach from the Phil Jackson coaching tree, um, and using a lot of that philosophy and and. I knew about his dad because it, it actually kind of colors his politics. Steve Kerr is very liberal, very outspoken. Um, and I think part of that is, is, you know, from his dad. But I think if you made a documentary back in 2000 about the 1990s Bulls, and you would tell me that Steve Kerr is going to get more FaceTime on camera than B.J. Armstrong or Horace Grant, I'd say you're nuts. Because right. those are the guys who were part of that original core group. I remember know? playing them in the Super Nintendo games. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think that's, you know, that changes it. There's, there's obviously, I mean, I could talk for three hours about how much I love this, this documentary. 
And I'd have given anything to have more footage of those dream team practices from Barcelona oh, in 92. Oh, my God. Or the Space Jam or, practices. Or, or, and that was the next thing I was going to say. Oh those Space God. Jam practices were outrageous, the people that were in them. And there were, pe- there were people in those practices that they didn't show on camera that had been talked about, rumored about, and everything else. And, and it must be unbelievable. So I, I have to ask you the second the second part of this. Yeah. Um, oh no! One other random thought before I get there. Uh, I thought uh, the use of Pearl Jam's "Present Tense" as the last song of, of the documentary was just. I'm sitting on the couch, like just trying to fight back the tears as I'm yeah. as I was watching it. It was awesome. Yeah. It, it was um, perfect because, as we know, like Eddie and Pearl Jam are giant basketball fans the whole band yeah. is. But <laughs> like they, the and, whole band is and, <laughs> and perfect and rodman was a big pearl jam fan yeah and they they the you know would follow them on tour and everything so um and if you listen to the uh bill simmons eddie vetter jeff lamette uh podcast i mean they talked about being just giant basketball fans when 10 was coming out and, and mm-hmm. just the whole thing it was perfect when that hit like it was pretty, I mean, you know, could you have more Pearl Jam through the whole thing? Because 90s, yes, but to leave it to the end, yeah, that was that was a stroke of genius. Yeah. That was great. Very well done. Um, so so I'll ask you this. Now, for, for me, the 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 gold standard of, of sports documentaries is still Ken Burns' baseball. The the 18 hours and then the the the, the two additional episodes he did covering the nineteen nineties and the and the aught years. 2000s i still think that's the best sports documentary ever made you know hoop dreams uh billy corbin's uh magnum opus the u and the u part two uh uh, once brothers and the two escobars both of those were 30 for 30 docs um oj made in america city silly little game the andre the giant documentary on hbo where does it rank for you well, all those are great picks. I've seen all those. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say Pumping Iron. Yeah, that's a that's a good one too. That is great, and, and you know, just because of the intentional and unintentional funny. But Josh, I think you're over missing something. Or you're uh, overlooking something. If you're gonna say the bold and the beautiful, I. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. No, I won't. No, but. It's something similar, you know. It's a it's a similar kind of sport. People might not think of a sport, but it's one of my favorite documentaries, and it's a sport. I'm gonna say King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. Yeah, that's my a good sports. One too. That is a sports documentary where you have, like I was saying, you have the setup, you have your protagonist, and one of the best antagonists in film history. That uh, that Billy from yeah. from King of Kong is out of control. He's got his own barbecue sauce and he's cheating, out of control. Like there's nothing like it's just like if uh like you know Michael Jordan came back from baseball and he lost to you know someone who was cheating. It'd be like that. Oh my God, Jordan should have won the seventh if that person wasn't cheating and and the guy wasn't making his own barbecue sauce. It's just like that. I mean, there are you know. I mean, they could have cast Brian Hill's. Orlando Magic in 95 as that sort of villain, but there really weren't many bad guys on that team. Right, you know, that right. was Shaq and Horace Grant and Nick Anderson and that group. But, I, I mean, listen, I'm not going to poo-poo the whole thing. I loved it so much. 
Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think the whole thing, and there was a couple bad guys in it. You know what I mean? That was your Billy Mitchell. That was Damon King of Kong. That you know he. But I love oh, how when they shit all over Isaiah, man, that was a that that, that made it made me smile every single time his name yeah, came yeah. up. <laughs> but it was just great. I mean, it was a great trip down memory lane. And yeah, I think Josh, what well, you're you're totally spot on in this world of no sports right now. I'm just I'm I, I'm. I miss it so much. So let, let me ask you this, and this is the last last question I'll ask. Of the of yeah. the three of the three documentaries ESPN has coming up next, those would be the ones about uh, Lance Armstrong, uh, Bruce Lee, or the nineteen ninety eight home run chase. Which one are you looking forward to the most? I think it's Bruce Lee. Um, and I was too. yeah, I was watching the recaps of the UFC on Saturday night, and they had a bunch of previews in there. They had an extended preview. And wait, you know, ESPN, way to uh, market to your target audience. I mean, to have that little preview in, because that's what they're saying, like nowadays. That's why Bruce Lee is relevant, is he mixed all these styles, which was unheard of, which was unsacred at the time. Um, And that's what MMA does. You know what I mean? It's just like, MMA is like a brutal sport, but it's like, you combine everything. If you got jujitsu, you got boxing, you got kickboxing, bring it. Let's do this. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the fascination of the sport and it's something that bruce lee did it was just beat your opponent at any cost like you know what i mean like bruce lee wasn't scared to do groin punches if, if it's allowed i'm gonna kick you right in the crotch you know what i mean like whatever it is it's like so it's i think that's what's relevant i, I i'm i'm really interesting i'm really interested to see the stance and the take they we have like what what lessons can we still learn from bruce lee that's what right. i'm interested so it's the same answer for me. I, one of my, I don't even call it a guilty pleasure movie, but it's one that I will watch every time it's on is dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Um, so I'm, I'm waiting to see how much that, the, this documentary differs from the, uh, the biopic. I hope not at all. I hope it's I hope exactly. All. I hope that movie is a thousand percent accurate because giant fan, giant fan of the actor, uh, directed by Rob Cohen, fast and the furious guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I, was, I, I just bought the Fast and the Furious uh, movies on Voodoo because, you know, why not? Extended editions. Uh, and I'm burning through those. I'll have my full review of that soon. Uh, but what an interesting career, that Rob Cohen guy. Like, really yeah. interesting guy. Uh, but that movie's stellar. Stellar still holds up. So, Josh, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you know, it would be shocking if we didn't bring that up. That is, that is definitely the pick of the week. I'm going to go... Yeah. Chris, can we do like a pick of the week where you just go, boom, you get the start of the week. I think new, new story of the week, that has to be it. I mean, in in the coronavirus world that we live in, I mean, my God. I think they said over 50 million people watched it at home or something. Something yeah, insane. It, 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 was the, it was the highest non-live sports event show that ESPN's ever had. Yeah. Well, and I hope that they keep these things rocking. You know, I and I know that they have that – kind of scattered past. This is something Bill Simmons started as a 30 for 30 series and, you know, had these things on the docket before he left. Um, But I think they've kind of made amends somewhat him and ESPN, you know, he's not as, you know, uh, chiding on his podcast, but uh, never let the money, money heals all wounds. Yeah. If there's a buck to be made, everybody can get over shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I think he was there, you know, when they did that like 40th ESPN thing, I think everyone was there and they kind of yeah. 
healed some wounds right there. But I think, you know, hopefully that that shows them that sports are interesting if you have it have the right um, storyline, the right timeline, the right take on it. You know what I mean? And that's why we loved, you know, Keith Overman and we loved Dan Patrick in the 90s. And, you know, you know, Stewart was all those guys would have great takes on things that we would love in sports. That's why Sports Center was the best. So, yep. anyway, Josh, Absolutely. great topic. My God. Yeah, was, what do you got for number one, my friend? Number one. Let's let's get a little crazy. Um, so, Josh, I've been uh, – let's do something like this. So, Star Wars, this happened uh, – this is today. Breaking news, I guess. Uh, okay. Star Wars fans – Show the love for Empire Strikes Back on its 40th anniversary today. So, for the onstage blog, I just did my top 20 films of all time for Chris Peterson. It's something we've been talking about, maybe combining our top 20s together, become with a top 100 films. Um, Josh, 40 years later, how important and just singularly is Empire Strikes Back? As far as Star Wars, as far as film, as far as the media that you ingest and that you pass on to your kids, how important is this? Does it still is it still current? Is it still hold weight? Go ahead. Yeah, it, it, um, I mean it's probably the most important science fiction movie that's been made since the original Star Wars or any kind of genre movie. Yeah. Um, it's the one that that you know, pushed a Star Wars from just being a blockbuster event film uh, to really being something great and iconic. Um, it had the greatest shock in the history of film. Um, you know, that great, the, the greatest shock moment, which unfortunately, right. you know, I was two, you know, one and a half when The Empire Strikes Back came out. Um, and I've been watching Star Wars movies my since I could walk. Um, there's never been a time when I didn't know, uh, spoiler alert, that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. Right. Um, that I would have given anything to have found that out, you know, when every, without everybody else did. And for it to be something that nobody saw coming um, – and for it to be something that, you know, as a collective society, what couldn't be ruined by Twitter or Facebook or, you know, just a 24-hour news cycle. Um, the technological leaps and bounds that it made uh, from the original Star Wars. Um, I think in looking at the other Star Wars films that followed it, uh, you know, it demonstrates that George Lucas should be the executive producer and not just the writer, not the writer and director right, right. of the Star Wars films. You know, I always thought that, that, you know, Irving Kirshner, you know, he didn't, he didn't do a whole lot with his, with his career. I mean, just in terms of volume, not well-known things, but he didn't have to because he made the empire strikes back. Right. Um, I still think it's the best Star Wars property that's ever been made. And it's, 40 years later it's better than it's better than the original film it takes the original film in a totally different direction um it still holds up all other you know second movies in the in the trilogy 
uh, or in trilogies or in sci-fi films. I mean, you find me another one where the second movie is not only better, but significantly better. You know, it, it's not like the, you know, you have the debate with, with Ridley Scott's Alien versus James Cameron's Aliens and which one's the better the, the better film. I don't think it's much of a debate. I think Alien is a better movie, but that's just a matter of personal taste. Um, yeah, but but also but you, but you're, you're kind of flipping genres a little at that point too. Like right. where, you know, it's an action movie versus a, a sci-fi horror movie. I mean, you where, have the yeah. you have the occasional person who will take the contrarian view that star, the original Star Wars film is a better movie than The Empire Strikes Back, but um you know, 99 people out of 100 will tell you it's the better, you know, Empire is the better movie. So I well, think I, that's, I think, that's I think, the legacy. Yeah. I think you're right, Josh. I mean, the thing that's important for me as I went through my top 20, it was really hard. I, you know, so top 20, when I did my top 20 films of all time, I wanted to pick movies that like, let's say you have a clean slate. Like there's a person that's like 18, never seen any movies whatsoever. Okay. How, and they're like, all right, there's these things called movies. How do I, what are they? How do you introduce me to all genres, all types of movies? And the thing about Empire and Star Wars particularly is it was this weird cross-section of film where in the 70s you had this kind of indie filmmaker, gritty, you know, film school or New York City kid coming of age kind of thing. But at the same time, it was a blockbuster. It was a merging of old school blockbuster Hollywood and this no way this plucky kid's going to make all these crazy effects on the screen. Um, and that's something like that, you know, that movie, Empire Strikes Back and Jaws, like just shows you, like if you have a great script, a great idea and a great drive, you can make anything a blockbuster. Even when the goddamn shark breaks. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, like, or you know, you have to pass on the baton for directing. If you, if your will is there, you're going to triumph over everything. It's just, um, I, I, that's that's why it's very important for me as far as the history of cinema. You know, coming from this studio, and don't get me wrong, this is a studio movie, but coming from these, this kind of, you know, the the studio type film was kind of going out of style. And they had to come up with something like, okay, we got these gritty Scorsese movies. We got these like kind of things, but like people still were hungering for. I, I think it paved the way for definitely the MCU movies. How to make a sequel? How to, like you said, how to turn your original property into something that means something more, but to make an original property that drives a story that's not just you know sequel fodder. I, I think it's a very important film, and it's I think moving forward. Post MCU world, I think people are going to look towards Empire Strikes Back continuously and say, "Okay, how did they make this work? How did they make this? How do, how can we keep this going like Empire and Jedi did?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I there's uh, superlatives that can be heaped on this uh, on this movie. I mean, but that's that's the legacy is that every genre property that follows it. That sequel, or or it doesn't even have to be a sequel. That movie where the where it takes a turn, it's borrowed from Empire. That that dark turn that it, that the movie has to take. 
it's not borrowed from The Godfather Part 2, which is an amazing sequel. It's not. It's just, it's, in, in when you need that big twist, when you need that big villain to win, to drive the story forward, you're always trying, they're always trying to make Empire. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. All right, Josh, what do you got for number two? Well, this is what we're gonna we're gonna segue, buddy. Oh, oh. We're gonna segue into more into some more Star Wars stuff. A segue, so, a segue. So there was, we're talking about you know what's come for you know what happened forty years ago. Let's talk about what's coming up. Casting news for the Mandalorian series. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Katie Sackhoff who I know you were a big fan of Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. uh, played Starbuck on, on Battlestar Galactica, will be reprising her role. Uh, it was a voice role of uh, Lady Bo-Katan, who, who was herself a uh, Mandalorian, uh, a Man- Mandalorian royalty on the show. But the new news uh, after that was that Tamura Morrison, who famously played all of the clones, including Jango Fett. Fett. And by virtue of Boba Fett being a clone of his, Boba Fett as well, uh, he took over the voice acting from Jeremy Bullock uh, when they messed around with Empire, uh, (laughs) is going to be joining the cast, he says, as Boba Fett. But Timothy Oliphant is also joining the cast of The Mandalorian. Did you hear that news? I did not. You just blew me away. I thought, you know, I'm sitting in the car. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that. I heard that. You just blew me the f away. Have they? I, what? Just keep talking. <laughs> so there's 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 a lot of speculation that uh, there was a character who um, we're gonna we're gonna go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. Are you familiar with the uh, Star Wars Aftermath trilogy? I'm not. All right. So there was a series of three books that came out, um, the Aftermath uh, trilogy. They're excellent, by the way, uh, by Chuck Wendig. Um, they're Aftermath, Life Debt, and Empire's End. Uh, all excellent books kind of filling in the gap. Um, the immediate aftermath of Return of the Jedi, what happened to the Empire and its collapse. Okay. Um, but interspersed in the story... Uh, or in the books are, are little side side stories uh, about uh, familiar characters or familiar surroundings. And one of them, I believe it was in Aftermath, uh, told the story of a human slave who um, found his freedom, uh, bought a set of uh, Mandalorian armor that was uh, acid-pocked and torn up a bit, uh, bought it from a bunch of Jawas. Don't know where they got it from, but you know, strongly suggested that it may have come from the pit of Carcoon and the yeah. nesting place of the Almighty Sarlacc. Um, but that the uh, this human who buys the armor takes up the mantle of a sort of uh, like a high plains sheriff, somebody who goes from place to place righting wrongs, um, and that could be the character that Timothy Oliphant will be taking over. Interesting. Excellent. So I know he's one of your favorites. Uh, you and I have, have spoken about his, his career at length. Um, you know, 
I, I did not watch Justified. I know that you love Justified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, he's always going to be the the uh, the drug dealer from Go and uh, <laughs> Mickey from uh, Scream Two. Um, but dude can act. They had a great yeah, turn yeah. in uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so if, if they're going to incorporate this uh, this new canon stuff, um, there's some really good material out there. Whether you know, it's Chuck, Chuck yeah. Wendig's books or Timothy Zahn's uh, Thrawn trilogy, there's a great um, young adult novel called Lost Stars, which is really excellent. Claudia Gray wrote that. Um, there, the not or the the comic books are excellent. There's a lot out there um, of material to mine uh, for, and it's perfect that you have somebody like Dave Filoni who will be running it and mining that material. That's awesome. That's that's great news. I mean, any Timothy Oliphant news, I'm I'm all in. That guy, man, that guy carries things. But you know, here's the thing about Timothy Oliphant. There's there's a couple. Would you call him Josh? Would you call him a character actor? Um, no, no, like no, he kind of just plays himself, right? Like he's just him, like like Jack Nicholson. He just rolls up and he does the Timothy Oliphant thing, right? Yeah, I, I mean, there, he he has a presence that's sort of uniquely his own, but he plays. He, he plays diverse characters, and that's why you could easily say, well, you know, he's a character actor, but he's always bringing his Timothy Oliphant-ness to swagger. it. Swagger. Yeah, swagger. Exactly. The guy's got that's a swagger. Yeah. yeah. And uh, freaking uh, – I, I, back in the day when you were a kid, you know what I mean? Like when there was like things such as video stores – and, you know, indie movies and mainstream movies and all this stuff, they, you'd always have, like, a guy you'd root for. Like, oh, man, I wish this Bruce Campbell guy would be in a lot more stuff. <laughs> or whatever it is. I think he's, like, the last rooting for guy. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, he's a working actor. You know what I mean? He's been in yeah. movies, TV, everything. But he's never really got the role that defined Timothy Oliphant. You could point to the things that you mentioned, you know, because we watch a lot of things, but he's never that guy, but maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he, he wants to be like this amoeba, this floating kind of thing that he can just be whatever he wants. I don't know. So uh, I am interested. I, I hope it's awesome. I'm so excited. And in these quarantine days, it is definitely something that show the, with the technology, it's something they can film on that crazy green screen technology and keep going. So wicked excited, Josh, great news. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, the, the way that that show is going, the the people that they're 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 picking up, um, I'm hoping that they're going to be able to put a couple more episodes into the season. That it'll be a little bit longer than the last one, but um, no, we're you know we're going up, we're yeah. going up on on this show. It's it's really headed in the right direction. Yeah, and I just love like the the casting of not famous people. It's not like we're getting like a list or something, but like. Carl Weathers, someone that you like know who's who can act that just can, you can set in there and he's just awesome. You know what I mean? Like, so I think Timothy Oliphant is just another great actor who just sent him right in and let's rock and roll. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So uh, I got another segue for you. Okay. All right. Speaking of sequels and speaking of uh, second seasons, Silence of the Lambs sequel series Clarice 
picked up at CBS and will get a mid-season debut. So this is a so we've had the show Hannibal, which was pretty good. I watched. Yeah, most it was pretty of it. good. Mads Mikkelsen was good. Love that guy. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Another guy I'm rooting for. It. Love that guy. Uh, ever since uh, Casino Royale, just awesome stuff. Uh, yep. But uh, so here's Clarice, the uh, sequel. We already had the sequel movie Hannibal, um, just similar to the show. Uh, but okay. here is the uh, show Clarice. Brilliant. Here's the rundown. Brilliant and vulnerable Clarice graduated Magda from uh, UVA with a double major in psych and criminology. Her bravery gives her an inner light that draws monsters and madmen to her. Her complex psych- psychological makeup comes from a challenging childhood. And her drive comes from her need to escape the burden of family secrets that have haunted her throughout her life. That's what they said. It comes right after Silence of the Lambs. These are the years right after. Josh, what are your thoughts on the um, Silence of the Lambs universe, cinematic universe? Uh, all right. Well, I mean, yeah. it, when I make my top 20 from for the Onstage Blog Network, uh, Silence of the Lambs is in that top 20. Oh, it yeah. is my... Uh, Ah, boy, I don't know if you can call it a horror movie, um, but I, I'll, I'll say it. It's a horror movie. It is my favorite horror movie of all time. I think it's one of the best made horror movies of all time. Um, it captures you know everybody involved uh, at, at the perfect moment. It's one of the you know the few movies of its kind that were you know that was a critical darling, won you know, famously won every major award at the Oscars um, and had two iconic performances in it, plus a whole bunch of really great ones. Um, spawned, spawned, uh, spawned a whole bunch of memes. Uh, yeah. You and you and I regularly will talk in the James gum voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, all, all that being said, um, it's a high, that movie set a high bar. Um, that the rest of it has not really been able to meet. Um, I do really enjoy watching the movie Red Dragon. Um, yeah. But I know, it, you know, Manhunter is probably a better version of it. But I like having I liked having Anthony Hopkins and not Brian Cox playing Hannibal Lecter. Um, you know, if there was a way that they could have done it, where like. You know, William Peterson plays uh, uh, plays the the detective role, but you still get Anthony Hopkins. Um, you know, you get Harvey Keitel playing uh, uh, right. playing Jack Crawford. Um, that somehow, the the guy who played Chilton in Silence of the Lambs is still playing Chilton in <laughs> in Red Dragon, and he hasn't aged. Um, you know, I. Uh, Actually, like Ray Fiennes in that movie. Yep. Um, so, but it's flawed, and, and and actually, the the biggest flaw in it is that you know uh, it doesn't have enough Han- Hannibal Lecter. But the book never had that much Hannibal Lecter. I mean, that's not the character. That's not what the story is about. Right. Um, right. He's just the most interesting part of it, and you get so little of it in in the movie Red Dragon. Right. You just get the fairy. Um, that's the main. Yeah. Part. Right. Like, and then Hannibal is fascinatingly weird but not really that good um and that that movie i think 
one of the faults is that it just doesn't have uh, it, it had Julianne Moore in it. And um, oh god, why am I forgetting Clarice's the actress? Um, uh, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Thank you. Right. It doesn't have Jodie Foster. It has Julianne Moore instead. And it's a distraction the entire time that she's the entire movie. Yeah, it's yeah. not even close. Yeah, like it, like when Ray Liotta's having to eat his own brain. I'm still looking at Julianne Moore, thinking like, why? Why is she here? She doesn't. <laughs> why is Amber <laughs> Waves here? Yeah. Or when oh, baby, baby, mommy loves you. Mommy loves or like you. When Gary Oldman and his fucked up face is on there. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just that's a bizarre bizarre movie um yeah and, and you I, i'm know, not sure made, this needs to actually, be made yeah you know i and you know the um the movie that came after I, my god i can't think of it it was like hannibal right hannibal rises hannibal rises or rising uh, rising or rising yeah a pretty good movie like i'm not gonna lie like straight to dvd kind of thing uh oh, i forgot about good. that movie yeah it was all right i mean it was okay the, the actors and the production you know kudos straight to dvd but uh yeah, Hannibal kind of. Here's the thing with Hannibal. This is where it kind of distracted me. Like, you get a you get a sense. I love Mads in that. I love the casting of Jack Crawford. I love everything in that show. But you know, I feel like one serial killer should have lasted the whole season. You know, there's a lot of serial killers out in America, but I don't know if there's that many. You get a sense right. if people were like, you know. Uh, Posting body parts up on elk uh, antlers everywhere, we that'd be in the news a little more. <laughs> like, and, and that would happen every week on this show. I was like, my god, <laughs> how many serial killers are out there? My god, I I thought there was a lot, but I don't know. That was a little distracting, but I I think it's some. There's definitely something there, Josh. I totally agree. Like, uh, Silence of the Lambs is one of the greatest movies of all time, and. Uh, I hope they do something with this property that isn't a waste of time or a distraction. So yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I need to know more. I need yeah. to know more about who's involved and who's, uh, you know, who's going to be starring, who's going to be writing, who's going to be directing, um, and whether or not this is just a way for somebody to make a buck. Right. You no, know, because right now, you know, th there has to be some creative shows in the can somewhere before we are rehashing you know, old storylines like this. Right. And I need to know why the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre noise is happening right behind your head. <laughs> oh, I had to go inside and get a new Basil Hayden's. <laughs> Good for you. All right, you're up next, sir. What's your number three? We're going to segue again. Oh! We're going to talk about strong female lead. We're going to talk about uh, Furiosa, one of oh, your faves. Furiosa, yes. So... Great article the other day in the New York Times. Well, I guess it was it was more than a, more than the other day. It was uh, on uh, May twelfth um, for the tenth anniversary. An article by Kyle Buchanan, Mad Max Fury Road: The Oral History of a Modern Action Classic. Wow. Did you read? I, no, are you kidding me? Wow. So uh, up right now. I read it. There's nothing new here. But it's always fun to go back down the rabbit hole and find out about how Miller made that movie. Wow. I 
you know, Buckle just, up, man, you got about two hours of reading ahead of you. It's oh a long God. article. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll bookmark it. Here we go. <laughs> Holy snap. So that's 10 years ago. That's unbelievable. 10, ten years. That, so the ripples of that movie, Josh, you know what I mean? When we talk about greatest movies of all time, you know, something I did on my list was I wanted to hit not every decade, but I wanted to hit different uh, periods of movies. You know what I mean? Whether it be silent, whether it be gritty 70s, whether it be mainstream blockbuster Hitchcock movies, or whether it be um, 90s indie kind of movies. You want to get right. like a, a, a dabble in each of what is film? What, what's 100 years of film, really? You know, 120 years of film. Like, what have, what, why is this, why is this still important? And I feel like when you get into the discussion of what is the best movie of the past 10 years, if you do not include that movie, because I feel like the ripples of that movie are still felt to this day. Like, if you're going to go out and make an action movie, a spectacle, a giant thing that is just filled with John Wick dogs and Halle Berry, you better hold yourself to the gold standard of Mad Max Fury Road. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're not at all. I, I, I don't know if that we were even far enough removed at ten years, um, to understand how important that movie is and how important it's going to be, or uh, important because it influences other movies, or important because that'll be the one where we say they just don't make them like they used to. Mm-hmm. They just don't have enough practical effects. They don't have enough, like, guitar geeks with a flaming double guitar. They don't have enough polecats, and they don't have enough, you know, sticking Tom Hardy's face into the sand at 100 miles an hour. Um, actually, you know, the, the, there was something that jumped out at me uh, when, I, when I, you know, read this, uh, read this article was that... Uh, the uh, the wives, the brides that were stolen away uh, from Immortan Joe. That's okay. the, the the drive of the movie. Yeah. First of all, didn't realize that Zoe Kravitz was one of them. Uh, okay. Which kudos to her. Uh, she's fabulous. Um, but that in preparing to play that role, they and uh, and and also Charlize Theron uh, met with. Uh, a group of women uh, or, gr- or a group from the UN and met with women uh, that had been uh, trafficked, had been trafficked as sex slaves um, in order to help better understand what their part should be and how they should react and, and all these wow. things. Everything about that movie is deeper than you think it is. Like it just never stops getting deeper and more interesting. You know, and, and just like the movie itself, you know, there's a lot of movies that will, you know, for lack of a better term, blow its load early, uh, <laughs> where they will show a giant action piece or there's a giant horror movie reveal really early on. And then you're stuck for the next 45 minutes like, all right, that thing that happened at minute 20 was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Who gives a shit about the rest of this movie? Or, you know, this person, uh, you know, blowing up this car and flying across the air and landing on a windshield. I've never seen anything like that. All right. Now I'm stuck here for another 30 minutes. 
the, I've never seen a film where I saw the trailer and I rewatched the trailer. Like, by the way, the trailer is still talking about gold standard. Still, my gold standard for <laughs> testing any uh, testing any sound system. Just bought a new subwoofer down here, and I was like, let me put on the Fury Road trailer, <laughs> see if this sub can handle this thing. And like the the trailer, not the movie, the trailer just has. All those crazy sounds just crammed into everything, and the orchestra movements, the subs, everything. Uh, and then after seeing that trailer, and then going to the movie, because there's a lot of great movies out, there's a lot of great trailers out there. Then you go to see this goddamn movie, and it's like, oh, that thing sucked. This movie not only doubled the trailer, it just kept it going. It like with its spectacle, with its visuals, with everything. Even when there's not an action scene going on. There's still people in these crazy costumes, and there's still these practical effects and actors just acting their ass off, doing flips off of cars when they don't have to. There's so much catching your eye that it's hard for your brain to process. I could watch the movie a hundred more times, and I probably will, hopefully, uh, and I'll catch something more every single time. So yeah. I, I I don't know, Josh. I, I, I totally agree. I, I think that this movie needs to be studied, rightfully so. I mean, listen... When I listened to the rewatchables of Mad Max Fury Road, it was kind of boring because, you know, what are you going to talk about? Like, it's a visual kind of movie. It's not a movie that you can really talk about. I mean, even though we're sitting here talking about it ourselves, you can talk about the you can talk about the impact of the film, you know, what it means to you. But you can't actually talk about the film because it needs it. It, it, it dares you to watch it. It, it is right. something to be watched. Like yeah. it's it's like it's like bragging like about uh, oh my god I saw a shooting star it's like you can describe the shooting star what effect it had in your life but until you see a shooting star it's like why don't you go ahead and do that you know what I mean it, it's it's still I love it great story yeah I, I mean if you think about it you think about you know it it is a rewatchable movie and hey I love the rewatchables my second favorite podcast besides the one I'm on you um, it it's you know, what do you say? What most rewatchable scene, the entire movie? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's one long action movie yeah. or action scene. I mean, I, I think if you'd have asked me, you know, before this movie came out, what was the best Mad Max movie? And I loved the Mad Max movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, Ro the Road Warrior was my favorite. I think it was the best one. I think so, too. Yeah, you asked me now, it's not even close. Not even close. The Road Warrior is not even close to Fury Road. With like ninety percent less racists. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I still got a little bit of a so look. This is coming as a Jewish man. Yes, I got a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for Mel Gibson. Wow, from, hot take, hot take. <laughs> from the Road Warrior and Braveheart, you cannot take that away from him. I can. That's nah. all right. <laughs> I mean, I love lethal. I love the lethal web movies. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I just freaking love the shit out of those. Uh, Writing, directing, everything, but uh, I don't know. Major distract. Talk about distractions. Major distractions. Yeah. All right. I on haven't tried my, it uh, Yeah. On to my uh, number. Uh, where are we at? Three. 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 Couple. Uh, some Kevin Smith news. Okay. All right. We're digging into some world of Kevin Smith. My man Kevin Smith, just hanging out in quarantine like all of us, podcasting, yada yada yada, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Kevin Smith wants to revive Clerks, the animated series. Now, Josh, Chris isn't on uh, the pod, but I know you're a fan of Clerks, the animated series. 
maybe you haven't watched it as much as we have. Yeah, I would say definitely not as much as you guys have. Liked it. Yeah. Very much liked it. Here's the thing about Clerks the Animated Series. Uh, it's in kind of purgatory as far as owned properties. Okay? And this is why it's really interesting. So they only made six episodes. Do you know why, Josh? Why it was why it was only why they only made six episodes? If you could guess, uh, because Capital Cities ABC greenlit the series, then saw the first six episodes aired and thought, "Oh shit, what did we do?" <laughs> yes, of course that of course <laughs> happened. But in the age of South Park, that should have been like okay, because there's no swearing in this series. There's nothing crazy. It's it's definitely risque. But at the time, it's definitely risque. But no swearing or no, not as risque as uh, South Park. But in the meantime, uh, Disney bought ABC, oh. and so now Miramax being dissolved, and ABC and the Disney whole thing still kind of owning the property. This actually might happen. So that's the first news I have on Kevin Smith. Second news I have on Kevin Smith that you might have a little more take on is. Uh, Kevin Smith confirms that Ben Affleck's character, Shannon Hamilton character, returns in Mallrats, the sequel script. Excellent. Now, I don't know about your Ben Affleck top three characters of all time, but Shannon Hamilton, the asshole from Fashionable Mail, still number one for me. I, You know, Affleck, Josh, I don't know what your thoughts are. Interesting, interesting actor. You know, I watched Armageddon with uh, the kiddo the other day. The movie's still great. It's still a lot of fun. Um, you know, he's got the fake teeth in that. A lot of going on with Affleck. Uh, and then personal life and on-screen life. I don't know about him, you know, and then he's got the director revival. But, you know, him as a villain, whether it be in Mallrats or whether it be in um, uh, Gone Girl, Love him as kind of your foil. Josh, what are your thoughts on Shannon Hamilton and his return? <laughs> well, I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm glad that Affleck's doing it. You f- you forgot O'Banion from yeah. uh, uh, from Days of Confused. Oh, One, yeah. An all-time jock asshole villain. Oh, yeah. He's great in that. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually a really I, a big fan of Ben Affleck. Um, I know... His personal life, um, I don't even really like think it's that bad, but uh, kind of gets in the way of things. Um, he's really kind of done it. I mean, the guy won an Academy Award for for writing um, with uh, with Matt Damon for Goodwill Hunting. He's a fantastic director. Um, I mean, Argo, uh, The Town. Um, and actually, the first one that he did is one of my faves, uh, Gone Baby oh, Gone. Gone Baby Gone, Ab- great movie. Absolutely love Gone Baby Gone. Love that. Uh, and, yeah. And then he's, and and he's a great actor. I love Gone Girl. Uh, I thought he was, uh, you know, having read the book and watched the movie, I think he's perfect uh, for that role. Certainly, an interesting movie, uh, a more interesting movie with him uh, in it. Loved Argo. Um, I love. You know, uh, Armageddon for what it is. Uh, and dude's had his, he's had his ups and downs, like, to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always loved his relationship uh, with Kevin Smith. I, I'm, it's unfortunate that it soured. 
Um, although it seems that, you know, since he was in uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot and, uh, and is now signed on to do um, uh, the Mallrats movie, that maybe they've patched things up. I think so. I, I think they have. Yeah, like I mean, I mean it, yeah, I had my my critiques of the Jane Silent Bob reboot, but I think he was a really good sport about the whole thing. He's and and I, look, I didn't. We we can you can you can play nice with it. I didn't like it. You know, I watched it yeah. and and it was kind of funny, but I didn't like it all that much. Oh, that first um, eight minutes was brutal. It was like but, film school. But with the, with the two of them working together, um, you know, both chasing Amy, which is a really overlooked movie. But also Dogma. I mean, he's great in both of those movies. Um, yeah, Dogma is definitely a property that has died. You know, I was talking about, like, studios that have these properties that are sitting there. You know, kind of like when Disney Plus bought the Fox rights and there's these properties like Die Hard and Predator just sitting there, like, in moratorium, like, not being released on 4K, yada, yada, yada. Um, Dogma is a Mirama- is in Miramax Purgatory. And I remember going to see that in the theaters. And that was probably... That was one of my favorite theater going experiences. Actually, I saw oh, yeah. that with I think I saw that with Lynette Williams at Elmira. I'm gonna summer, check that. Summer of ninety nine, man. That was yeah. a, oh, a fantastic that was definitely Lynette. movie. If it wasn't Chris Peterson, I think it was definitely Lynette. Oh my god. We were laughing so hard. It was it was great. See, and Lynette's not here for me to ask what, what her thoughts are on uh on Dogma after having read uh Neil Gaiman's uh, Good Omens. Which, mm. having read that book, uh, Kevin Smith owes Neil Gaiman a Coke. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot taken from Good Omens uh, that ended up in. Uh, um, oh yeah. Ended up in Dogma. Yeah, but it. In that American Gods right. show too, right? Uh, haven't haven't seen it, but I know okay. that. But just the the themes and storylines and things right. like that, like it's it's close. Oh God, I forgot that, that Ben Affleck was in School Ties. God damn it. Didn't play the villain in that one. That was Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was my uh, that was my uh, my my story this week. I just wanted to catch you up on some Ben Affleck news. Josh, let's move but, on to your number four. Before we do, I have to ask yeah. you: Do you oh. follow Kevin Smith on Twitter? I I do whenever it pops up on my feed. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that that he dug out an old script that he had uh, uh, that he had had prepared. Never got picked up or anything. Uh, Fletch wins. Uh, he had always talked about the Fletch novels as being a huge influence for him as a writer. Um, I don't know if you saw the picture of that on his Twitter feed the other day. No, I saw the picture of him, his first scribbles of the movie Clerks. Did you see that? Yes. When it was like Dante character stuck in purgatory at store. And he did like the act one, act two, act three. And it was like in sections, like the movie turned out. That was, I saw that one. That was really interesting. I mean, I got to tell you, there are uh, men of a certain age who are, you know, eight to 10 years or eight to 12 years older than me who will tell you that the Fletch movies or or the original Fletch is like their favorite comedy of all time. Mm -hmm. Like they absolutely love Chevy Chase, love Fletch. Um, I never got it, but, you know, people dig it. That was definitely a cable, you know, talking about rewatchables, that was definitely a cable rewatchables for me. That was, 
on cable so much and HBO. I would watch that so much time, like so many times. I can't even tell you how many movies I've, how many times I've seen Fletch. I went to the theaters with my grandfather to see Fletch Lives. Like, I definitely remember that. Yep. Did, did Gene like uh, Fletch Lives? I think he did. Uh, Gene yeah. was uh, Gene was a fan of classic cinema. So yeah. uh, Gene was the first one to show me. Well, not, not speaking of Fletch Lives, but uh, speaking of uh, The General with Buster Keaton and The Gold Rush with uh, Chaplin. And then he showed me Intolerance um, by uh, who's the, oh, the guy that did Birth of a Nation? Uh, uh, Griffith. Griffith. D.W. Griffith. Uh, so he showed me those classic films. Uh, he definitely was like into, uh, but at the same time, Gene, uh, you know, if you knew Grandpa Gene, he had a light side and he took me to definitely Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison and Flex Day. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't beat that. So, Josh, what's your number four? Ben, how do you feel about Amy Schumer? Mixed feelings. Actually. Okay. Mixed feelings. Um, I saw the movie, uh, was it a train wreck? Uh, thought that was going to be better. But then okay. right around that time, I mean, I saw her in stand-up. I thought her she was pretty funny. Uh, then I saw this crazy, you know, I'm a YouTuber, you know, live yep. and die. Uh, saw these crazy YouTube videos of her stealing jokes. If Once you watch that, yikes, you probably won't be a fan of Amy Schumer, but go ahead. Well... I have a way for you to revitalize your interest in her. Okay. Uh, during this quarantine time period, she has a new uh, new television show on the Food Network. Hmm. It's called Amy Schumer Learns to Cook. Now, Amy Schumer, a couple of years ago, uh, she married uh, Chris Fisher, who is a, a, a chef, okay. uh, restaurateur, and farmer. And they are stuck in quarantine. Uh, they're stuck in quarantine in Martha's Vineyard, which, God, that must be awful, being yeah. stuck in Martha's Vineyard for uh, for quarantine. But <laughs> it is it's them. Uh, they have a little boy who's uh, I think you know twelve, thirteen months old, and and their nanny, and they're stuck in a house together, and there it's a cooking show. It is fucking hilarious. All right, it is great. Each you know they're. Ostensibly, like they're they're half hour episodes, but they've been showing them back to back on Monday nights at ten o'clock. Uh, each show starts with uh, them uh, making some sort of drink because Amy Schumer was a bartender at one mm. time. So the first thing they do is make drinks. They start getting drunk, and then her husband cooks a meal or tries to make something you know very simple, and it and it could be. Something as complicated as, you know, um, they were doing, you know, different pasta dishes and everything else. You But the first episode, they did a segment of uh, butter and salt on matzah. And, dude, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And it's very, like, it's like a cable access show. Um, and I'm watching it, and there's, like, vagina jokes, and there's dick jokes, and... Everything else, and and Kelly and I watched it and thought, how the fuck did Comedy Central decide that they were going to pick this up? Did yeah. they never watch Amy Schumer before? <laughs> but thank God that they, thank God that they did. Wait, is it's, it on Comedy Central or Food Network? 
Oh, I'm sorry, Food Network. Oh, yeah, I was um, going to say, yeah, like, it's got to be, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> which, I mean, Comedy Central already had Inside Amy Schumer, which was right. very funny. But you think, you know, you're watching a cooking show with dick jokes. Um, <laughs> and it's not like the, the shows on Viceland, which are also good, like, Fuck That's Delicious is an excellent show, and right, um, right. the Action Bronson show, and all that, I like. Say, actually, I know that guy, right, right, right. Right, but this is just something totally new because she's a complete novice. Um, you know, sometimes she'll just walk out of walk out of camera. Um, her husband's, you know, he's pretty funny. Uh, it's a really good show. So Monday nights, ten o'clock. Amy Schumer learns to cook. Excellent, great recommendation. Nice. Yeah, I've been actually going down this food hole on YouTube uh, and Netflix. I watched the Chef Show, of course, that was great. But yep. then I've been digging through uh, YouTube. And uh, I've just been going down the dark web of food shows. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching a lot of barbecue how-to videos. Yeah, like, yeah, me lot. too. Like, me too, because I got the Weber out. Uh, oh, I don't know if I announced this on the air. Cooked, uh, uh, big shout-outs to Tim McKenna. Uh, cooked an amazing beer can chicken. The other, yeah, you, the other you, you did. You, you, you <laughs> Last episode, man, you covered that. Oh, covered all right, it. good. You covered it like you covered it in rub. Yeah, that's right. It was amazing. Uh, all right, so uh, my number four this week is um, Josh. Speaking of Ben Affleck, segue. Yep. Uh, HBO Max releases Justice Justice League Snyder's Cut, the moment trailer. So there's a lot of all right. Zack Snyder is the director. I have. We're talking about mixed mixed feelings about a person. Oh, I got serious mixed feelings. <laughs> so, I got the voodoo. I love voodoo. Let, uh, big shout out to voodoo.com. I I love that that thing because listen, Josh, you come over to my basement. You've been down here many times. I got DVDs, VHS, but sometimes I want something in 4K. Something I want. Uh, you know what I mean? And I'll wait for something to come out like for five bucks. Like Silence of the Lambs. I but I've bought that movie three times. I'll pay five bucks for a uh, HD K transfer or something like that. Rock and roll, you know. And the uh, Watchmen TV show came out, which was, which is still holding weight as one of the greatest shows to come out in a while. Zack Snyder's the director's cut of Watchmen came out. What is that? Like seven hours long. Yeah, it's a it's a three hour movie. It's quite long, but I watched the I, I read the comic I reread the comic after the show came out. Um, went through that, and let me just break it down. So, if you just copy a book and put it on the screen, it doesn't make it a good movie. Um, but especially if you fuck up the ending of a movie, how dare you, Zack Snyder? And Justice League by Zack Snyder is definitely not a good movie. And I cannot imagine that any director's cut of this movie will make it a good movie. Josh, do you even give a shit about this, what I'm saying to you about the director's cut coming out on HBO? Because yeah, don't I don't give a, give a shit. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> that I, that I saw, falls under I don't give a shit. I, I saw it the other day. I, not even the trailer. I just saw the article. No, that I'm not watching coming, the trailer. <laughs> that it was coming to uh, HBO Max. Um, and I thought, huh, okay, don't give a shit. 
Um, and to say that I have I have mixed feelings about Zack Snyder, I fucking love Three Hundred. Yeah, it is an awesome, awesome movie. Might be called an achievement like, in cinema. Yeah, like. Yeah. So, I mean, for those who don't know, it's it is based on a, on Frank Miller's comic book of the same name, and it is like a shot for shot remake of the of the comic. It, and it's it's I mean, it's a great comic book, and it's a fantastic movie. Right. But you know, I, I'll I'll turn on HBO, and you know, HBO will try to tell me, hey. Sucker Punch is going away. You should watch this. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking watch Sucker Punch. I don't want to watch it. I've never watched that. I'm not going to watch it. Like, st- stop giving DC shit to Zack Snyder. Give it to Patty Jenkins. Fucking Wonder Woman was awesome. Yep. Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be awesome. It looks great. <laughs> you know, I, I, I haven't seen uh shazam yet but i don't think Zack snyder had anything to do with it so it should it should probably be good right um yeah that chalk that up is don't give a shit but and every time so the snyder cut like it always gets mentioned and then because that's given birth to the like oh let's have the colin trevorrow version of uh the rise of skywalker yeah or let's have like you know, let, let's have, well, whatever, you know, if you didn't like The Last Jedi, like, you know, let's say, let's see what J.J. was going to do with it. Like, I don't fucking, fuck Zack Snyder. Yeah. Or, uh, not him, but fuck the Zack Snyder cut. I don't, I don't, I don't need it. It doesn't make any sense. We don't want it. Like, we don't want it. Is it going to drastically improve Justice League? No. No. It's going to make it longer. It's going to make it longer. We're going to sit through it. And you know what? I watched this. You know, the Zack Snyder uh, cut of The Watchmen. Uh, I'm watching this after reading the comic. I'm like, you're all in. Like, let me. Don't get me wrong. It's it's shot for shot, like you said. The guy could do shot for shot. Like, if you want something framed right, if you want something like with great CGI and a director that knows to work around CGI, rock and roll. Like his remake of Dawn of the Dead. If you want fast zombies yeah, in, in George Dawn Romero, uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, rock and roll, let's do this. And it's great. It's a great watch, great fl- great horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, great fun at the theater. I remember seeing that. I was like, my God, that director kicked that movie's ass. It was great. Great, great, <laughs> great, 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 great. And then you watch The Watchmen. Josh, did you watch The Watchmen show? Uh, we watched the first episode re- recently. Like, it's okay. not something that, like, I'm not going to watch. I've, but- I... We watched That's the first fine. episode, like, it's it was really stylish and cool. Yeah. Okay, don't get me wrong. Okay, no, no, that's fine. All right, you remember when um, the sister knight, she um, she has to stop the car and roll up the windows because all the squids fall? Yeah. Okay, okay. You're As you're watching that show, you're probably like, what, what the hell is that all about? Like, you know, because in the Zack Snyder movie <laughs> – he made Dr. Manhattan blow up the earth with atomic bombs um, in the books. And in that show, squids fall from the sky and the superheroes have to save everyone, which makes everyone stop trying to annihilate each other in the Cold War, which totally makes sense because, you know, in the universe of the Watchmen, 
nukes are about to be launched. Like Cuban Missile Crisis is ready to rock. You know what I mean? Like in 1984 <laughs> or whatever it is, um, we're gonna die. All of us are gonna die. The atomic, the end of the world clock is like you know two minutes to midnight. Whatever it is, we're all gonna die. And you know, uh, Osmandius he says, okay, we have some aliens invading the Earth, and he kills like a million people, which is fucked up, but he saves the Earth. Which makes sense, and that's why that show works. If you watch the Zack Snyder's cut of The Watchmen or his film of it, he you he blows up everyone, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it so, doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. And I watched this whole thing, and I forgot that. I I, I just want to vent. Hold on. God damn it! I bought this thing for five dollars, <laughs> and I was like, all right, watch the comic. Maybe the director's cut will be better. And then I rewatched it, and then he fucked up the ending, and I'm like, oh, my God, I hate it. I hate it so much. They need to remake it, period. That's it. That, that's my – oh, my God. I'm so pissed. All right. So here's the thing. Yeah. Zack Snyder can shoot a scene. Right. Like, that, so a, as you were talking, I'm thinking about The Watchmen, and there's, like, there's the opening credits montage, uh, which is just awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it it is set to the times they are changing. Like it's yeah. really, it's just brilliant. With Doctor Manhattan um, on the moon and everything, it's yeah. it's it's brilliant. There's the there's the scene where uh, uh, Mickey from Seinfeld and his goons attack Rorschach in the jail. Um, and it's, it's awesome. Right in the comic, it's great. Yeah, um, the the scene where the night owl uh, has sex with uh, the Silk Spectre. And the Leonard Cohen version of Hallelujah is playing in the background is outstanding. Outstanding. I might go watch that in about half an hour. Yeah, I, I, I own it for five dollars. <laughs> I might put it on the the basement television. Yeah. Watch it alone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it. <laughs> but. And that's what's so fear, uh, infuriating about him is that you have these moments of you know what he's capable. of. All the all the stuff in three hundred is fantastic. I had forgotten about Dawn of the Dead, and yep. it's just an awesome movie. Awesome, uh, uh, great time at the theaters. And you know how much I revere the original Dawn of the Dead. Oh, and I went absolutely. to go see this. You know, you, you can picture Ben's brain at that moment. Like, oh, who does this motherfucker think he is? Touch my property, Dawn of the Dead. And the movie's fun. It was it was scary as shit. It was great. People were cheering. It was a series. It was Destiny USA's theater. People were. Up in the stands, throwing popcorn. Great time. Great yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and it's another movie with a fantastic credits montage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Johnny Cash song, When the Man Comes Around, and Society Crumbling. Like, it's a great fucking, yeah. you know, three great minutes. Image. Great image. Um, you know, uh, maybe Zack Snyder's the guy that you call in to punch up a couple of scenes, but but not make your movie. Yeah, he might be a great YouTube director. Uh, well, maybe, I mean... You know, David Fincher got his start making uh, music videos. Uh, maybe Zack Snyder needs to go back and do that. Sorry, Zach. I know Sorry, you're listening. Sorry, Zach. I know. Listen, you have some great moments. Can't just you know what, Chris? Use your powers on the onstage blog. Get Zack Snyder on here. We got some ideas for him. Yeah, I'm we're not, not getting. Pretend. We're not getting invited back to Comic Con though. That's that's for sure. <laughs> Well, neither is it, but <laughs> I need to, <laughs> I, we got some ideas for him. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to pretend like I know how to shoot a scene, 
how to compose a shot and all that. We just got some ideas. We got we got oh, some yeah. things. I don't. I'm not going to pretend that I know anything uh, yeah. uh, other than criticizing other people. I'm yeah. just here. I'm just here to shit upon. <laughs> uh, all right, Josh. What's your number five this week, buddy? Buddy. Last, last one. Um, I just saw this drop the other day, and I don't know how it got by me. Did you know that they were uh, soon to be released in June? Is another TV version of The Stand. What? Were you aware of this? Yes. No. Yes. It's June this year. June 2020. June 2020. Wait a second. No. Yep. No way. Like, they were planning this before all this bullshit happened? (laughs) Yes. What? The fix is in. It's another miniseries. Do you think the coronavirus was created to promote this new series? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I want to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> I got a manifesto and everything. I'm writing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, CBS uh, apparently still still owns it. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of the 1994 uh, miniseries. Uh, the stand is one of the, you know, the last time I was, I was on the show, I talked about, uh, my, uh, post-apocalyptic books, which were my favorite ones and everything. And, uh, um, the stand is, is right up there. Um, but I love the miniseries. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's cast, it's in the can. It it really kind of has a, a, a great cast, um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, James Marsden, uh, Amber Heard. Oh, I did uh, hear about this. Like, wait. Starsard. Wow, wait. I did hear about it. They filmed it already? Yeah. What the what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Whoopi Goldberg God. playing Mother Abigail. Now, I, I, I have not been able to figure out who's playing the trash can man. I'm really uh, uh, looking forward to how that character is going to go. But, like, you know, uh, Owen Teague, who played uh, one of the uh, one of the bullies in It, uh, is playing Harold Louder. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, Corin Nemec's character uh, from uh, from the, the original uh, Stand uh, miniseries. Shouts to Parker Lewis, can't lose. Yep. Um, uh, Molly Ringwald was in it. Gary uh, um, Sinise. Gary Sinise, uh, uh, the dude from My Favorite Martian. Uh, just tons, dude. Heather Graham's in this. Uh, Greg Kinnear. Wow. And I guess Alex Skarsgård's playing Randall Flag. Like, there's a lot to look forward to. Oh, Skarsgård is Randall Flag. All right, great yeah. cast. Oh, all right, second. I'm all in. I mean, so it Alex might be Gar- it might be a little hitting close to home, but yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> so yeah, so Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood is playing Randall Flag. Mm. Perfect. Um, so how do you feel? Are you in? I mean, listen, I've been staying – listen, maybe I'm a little too sensitive. Maybe I'm getting a little wistful and a little sensitive in my old age. But uh, call me wrong, but I want to watch nothing that has to do with uh, the apocalypse that stems <laughs> from a disease. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Just want to oh. – yeah. See, and I'm the exact opposite. I oh. just, I, I just finished reading uh, Station Eleven, 
which is about a uh, super virus that wipes out humanity uh, and about the survivors. And it sort of revolves around the connections that a whole bunch of characters have to a, um, a famous actor who dies on stage uh, the night the virus kicks off and about all their, uh, their connections and everything. And it's sort of about the, uh, the degrees of separation of humanity. Um, it's a really, it was a really great book. I mean, I read through it in like seven days. Um, and I will read the next, uh, apocalyptic fiction that comes my way. Anybody who wants to send it my way, a suggestion, (laughs) I'm more than open to it. So, uh, I'm all over this (laughs) when it premieres. Now, that being said, so one of my favorite apocalyptic movies of all time, uh, you know, I'm a big George A. Romero fan, speaking of Dawn of the Dead. Um, he came out with a movie called The Crazies, which was remade with Timmy, Timothy Oliphant a couple of years ago. Um, the original The Crazies um, is a really interesting indie movie. It, I want to say it's a horror movie, but it's kind of like a pandemic movie. <laughs> um, and so what happens in the movie? So... Check this out. What happens in the original Crazy? So, like, the Crazy remake came, like, it, it looks like a zombie movie. Like, people get this disease. They look like zombies. They get all messed up. That's not the point of the original zombies uh, or the original Crazies. The original Crazies is it's a small town in Pennsylvania, and this rash of domestic violence starts happening. So, cops are called. Police are called to arsons. But all the cops and the firemen are like, I know this guy for 20 years. Why, uh, why did he kill his wife and set fire to his house? Like, and it keeps happening. And they start realizing it's a disease that you can't see. People catch and you become psychotic and violent. And it's the story about these, this couple that tries to escape with their friends. And what do you do when the government's trying to kill everyone and rile everyone up into high schools and they don't want to go there because everyone's catching the disease there. It's quite shockingly similar to our events now. Bussy, my friend Nick Bussy, shout out to his 40th on June 1st. Hey, Nick. Text, yeah. Yeah. Uh, text me the other day because there was a story about someone that was shot in Pennsylvania that knew the truth about the pandemic. <laughs> and he goes, dude, it's just like the crazies. What the F? <laughs> <laughs> so uh that movie speaks truths uh that's my favorite but yeah josh totally and have you i have to ask since you since you brought up uh conspiracy theories yeah basically by bringing that up uh are still coast to coast is coast to coast still going on now oh you know what it's great i've never talked about this on the air uh so art Bell, oh, you, you definitely should yeah, so Art Bell was the founder of Coast to Coast AM, which was, you know, ghosts, uh, UFOs, Bigfoot, yada, 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 paranormal. And I believe it's still on 1 a.m. to, to 4 a.m. with George Norrie. Um, George Norrie, I was never a fan of. Art Bell tried to start his own network, which I tried to listen to, but he tragically passed away. I think he was a heavy, 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 heavy heavy smoker <laughs> who passed or away that, or that's what the government wants you to believe but here's the thing about art bell you ready for this story is he started uh, dark matter radio darkmatter.net was his and i don't know if they still have his episodes he was on for maybe a month this was a while ago this was maybe like three years ago art bell was on and they were going to start their own coast to coast network 
he was stalked by someone and then he was shot at on his property and he had to go off air. So, yeah, I mean, uh, call it what you will. I mean, you know, they're dabbling in the arts of rising up suspicions of conspiracy theorists. You're going to bound to, you know, rile up the nuts out there. Um, but yeah, that happened, and then Art tragically passed a couple of years ago. So Josh, I have not been into Coast to Coast, but Criminally Listed is my new Coast to Coast. I love that. I love that thing so much. It's still on. The, it's still next in line for me to start yeah. to start watching. All right. So my number five this week. I got a couple. Uh, what? Am, ooh, what am I doing? What am I doing? What do we want to talk about? Oh, okay. All right. So on this day. Um, it is Pac-Man's 40th anniversary. So May 22nd, 1980, Namco released Pac-Man in Japan. Wow. So the reason why I bring this up, Josh, as you know, I have the Raspberry Pi in the house. I have them all geeked out. If you kids out there in cyberspace don't know what a Raspberry Pi is, look it up. It's awesome. P.I. Um, I have it hooked up to a Retro Achievements. So I am like I just introduced Deacon to Pitfall for Atari, which you know I, a Pitfall is a game that is wicked hard still, but my God, this six-year-old totally went nuts for it and started laughing when the guy like fell into the crocodile's mouth. So I don't know what it is about eight-bit graphics, but kids still love it. Um, so Josh. What have you been gaming on? I know you mentioned a couple weeks ago you're still trying to get into some games. Uh, what are you What are you doing as far as video games? Uh, Assassin's Creed. Uh, nice. There, there was the last two versions of Assassin's Creed that came out, uh, Origins and Odyssey. Uh, I picked up both of those. Um, I still have, you know, speaking of retro gaming, um, I went to the uh, Nintendo store in Rockefeller Center um, uh, last year when I was down in New York City. And was able to pick up uh, the SNES Classic. Um, so I have a Super Nintendo hooked up. And uh, uh, a Zelda Link to the Past. Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Still Ooh, one of the, classic. Still one of the best games ever made. Ever. Um, I play that. The girls like to play Street Fighter. Um, we played that. We played Mario Kart. Um, the weather's nice. So I haven't been playing as much as I uh, normally would have been. Um, although thinking of, although it's not a Namco game with Atari, uh, River Raid was my jam. It's an Activision game. Oh, uh, I remember that. I remember loading the disc into my Commodore 64 (laughs) at school to play River Raid. I remember that. Yep. Uh, that, that was, uh, uh, as far as like the old, old, uh, games, that was my, uh, that was the one I, I really, uh, really dug. Um, I've kind of actually the last the the last dance made me miss uh, Bulls versus uh, Lakers mm-hmm. uh, for the Super Nintendo and the Genesis and and kind of uh, those old games. Um, there actually was a, uh, a Tecmo Super Basketball that was great. Let you keep stats and seasons like uh, Tecmo Super Bowl did. Um, I got to get my hands on that. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna look that one up. I definitely had Bulls versus Blazers. It was not a. I I didn't like the game, but apparently here on the internet it says it's 4.8 out of five. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of wishful thinking. Looking back on it, 
I mean, we all we all definitely went to everyone's house that had NBA Jam on Genesis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the the only thing the thing that I remember about Bulls versus Blazers was like everybody had their like unique signature move, and you could get uh, Tom Chambers to basically dunk from the three point line. Uh, shout out to Tom Chambers from the Phoenix Suns and nice. Seattle Supersonic. Heat cut. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: He could not actually dunk from the foul line, uh, or or the three point line. No, uh, or the three point matter. line. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. What have you been playing? Um, so I've been burning through a a lot of old school games. Like I said, I, I've been doing the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, but it's almost like a kind of you know retro kind of. Oh, let me check this out, but. On my list, I have a couple of. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up for you. I want. I'm not gonna lie to you on the air. I'm, I want to actually get the actual retro achievements I've been uh, achieving. Oh, you know what I've been doing? So I've been digging through. So I got the lady in the house who loves Super Mario World for Super Nintendo. You know who doesn't? Yep. Um, but uh, me and uh, I've been doing the hacks. So there's a lot of hacks on the internet of ROMs, and one of the best hacks. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout a big shout out. Super Mario World: Return to Dinosaur Island, or Return to Dinosaur Land, and this is a hack for SNES, and they made Super Mario World like wicked harder. I'm burning through that one, uh, which is awesome. I found a great uh, Fantasy Star for Master System. Great RPG. And then a um, Super Pinball 2, The Amazing Odyssey. I love Super Pinball games. SNES. And then uh, Deacon and I, I've beaten this game multiple, 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 multiple times in college instead of studying. But Deacon and I are playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on PlayStation 1 on the Raspberry Pi. Excellent. Excellent. You know that that that's coming out in the uh, remastered edition. Oh, Oh, yeah. Uh, last week I talked about how they came out with the Jack Black Tony Hawk video where they played with oh, Devo and all the yeah. characters on <laughs> Tony Hawk in real life. That was just amazing. So we we are definitely going down that rabbit hole. I mean, Tony Hawk 2, I don't know if they've ever – I mean, they came out with Tony Hawk 3. I mean, I love the cruise ship. I love everything. But when they did the revert kind of thing, when you come down a ramp and revert, it's almost like you can't stop tricking Like after a while. Like – Deacon's so good at video games right now, like, like we can almost play horse in Tony Hawk 2. So if you introduce Revert, he's going to be like, how did you just do that, Daddy? I'd be like, oh, you just hit the uh, L2. <laughs> it's kind of like how they, they messed with uh, Josh. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, NHL 94, 95, 96, which I haven't gotten into the Raspberry Pi because I know that rabbit, that wormhole. You yeah, know, I have a girlfriend now. will be the death of you. Yeah, right. I have a girlfriend now, and, I, and she likes to talk to me and kiss me. So I'm not going to start playing the NHL 95. Wait a second. You don't want it. You mean you don't want to make yourself and put yourself on the St. Louis Blues with uh, with Brett Hall? No, I want to do the whale, the whale, baby, for the season. But I do like my life. And you know, I know we're in quarantine. Maybe when quarantine two comes out, kidding, not kidding, next year. Uh, maybe I'll start the NHL 95. But uh, as for now, I like talking to people. So, yeah, that's where I am at the state of video games. Did, did I see you and Deacon were playing SimCity? Did you guys get the ROM for SimCity for the SNES on your uh, Raspberry Pi? Oh, oh, yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, 
It's the one game that I'm missing for my SNES Classic, and I realize it's not like a Nintendo game. You know, it's not branded. It's it's you know a Maxis game, right? Which is unfortunate because that game was so much fun. It's so much fun, and it's it's still so much fun because you know as you're seeing it, and for me it would probably be seventh grade. For you, it would probably what, ninth, yeah ninth grade? grade eighth grade ninth yeah. grade. Uh, you know how you can make like zero to 99 levels or 999 different worlds. Yeah. You know, you just sat back and go, you know, how much of my life do I have <laughs> where I can play every single one of these with the raspberry Pi? We can burn through all 999 levels of SimCity. Yes. Hey, so that's what Wait, we're doing. Not, not, you know, to quote game of Thrones, uh, winter is coming and we're, we're still not going to be out of this. So yeah. Yeah. It, you're going to have time on your hands. That's right. You know, Josh, I'll send you the link to the Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi fixing so you can uh, make one. But, sir, we have yeah. reached that time of the night where it's time yes. to go YouTubing, baby. Outstanding. And I am excited. I hope you're excited. Let's finish this thing with a bang. Josh, what do you got for me this week? All right. I got three things for you. All right. Uh, first, this this is a new one. I, I, I actually only took a, a two-word note. Uh, on it as I was watching it today I uh, was working on an appeal in the office and kind of needed something for a distraction and the distraction became the thing I was focusing on Okay, uh, it was a channel called Hogwarts Reacts uh, it is a uh, a video uh, or it's a series of videos of uh, this group of friends focusing on one person uh, it's this, uh, this lady um I think she said her name is Heather, but she goes by Hogwarts. Uh, watching uh, different shows that have already fully aired and watching her react to them. So I, I just happened to be trying to watch a video for uh, Red Wedding reactions. That's where I was today. I want to see people reacting to the Red Wedding for the first time. Stumbled across this video. Felt so bad for this lady watching the red wedding for the first time all of her friends knew it was coming having watched the series and also read the books and watching her just sob through it and it's a little bit of uh schadenfreude you know yeah. finding misery in or finding happiness in other people's misery right, right right um but like i also liked the idea of like watching a watching this woman watch the red wedding and then finding the episode where the, where she watched uh, the end of season six. No. Yeah. Season six, the winds of winter um, where the Septa Baylor gets blown up and, and fucking everybody dies and like watching a, a, a natural reaction to it for the first time. So that's what I was watching today. Um, excellent. Excellent. The other day I, I took this note. Uh, there was a mashup. Uh, that uh, that showed up on my feed the other day for obvious reasons. That was a uh, a mashup of Star Wars and Top Gun, and it was a whole all of the dogfights from Episode Four through Episode Nine of Star Wars plus Rogue One, set to Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone from Top Gun. <laughs> there are more than one video uh, like this on YouTube. And they're all fantastic. Uh, and and so I would recommend watching any of them. And finally, an anniversary has passed us, and I'm not sure that enough people took notice of it. Uh, 
Ben, yeah. 15, 15 years ago, in the land of Azeroth, a group of warriors called Pals for Life were fighting uh, a group of winged uh, somethings or other, something from World of Warcraft, when a meme was born. And it's been 15 years. Wait, no. Yes. No, Leroy Jenkins? <laughs> I want to yell it, but all my neighbors are going to get pissed off at me. <laughs> well, I'm in my basement. Leroy Jenkins! It's been 15 years. Oh, my God. What, a meme? No, it's not just a meme. Nor do I say a, just a gift. Nor do I say a moment in history. Leroy Jenkins will go down forever. I don't care, you know, when we have World War IV or whatever the hell comes up, or fighting each other with sticks and stones, someone's going to shout Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> because yeah. that is a moment in history. So, yeah, it's been 15 years since, since it wow. happened. Remember how big Wow was? Yes. <laughs> wow. So, so it initially didn't it didn't reach meme status until a year later. But I but I challenge you go down that YouTube rabbit hole and and just put in Leroy Jenkins two E's Leroy Jenkins. Of course. And it's not just the original video that you'll see, but all of the adaptations of it. Josh, I don't to know if I I sent you recently. There was. Um, a Leroy Jenkins video where he, uh, a cop takes a, a pursuit in his own hands. Did you I've see seen that it. one? <laughs> I've seen it. You didn't send it to me, but I saw it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> just random dude running down the street, cop car just totally blindsides him. So awesome. I mean, if you're if you're not watching the original video, I mean, first you should watch that. Yeah, but I, I always watch thought. It. I always thought the uh, the Jon Snow at the Battle of the Bastards Leroy Jenkins mashup was the best one of all time. Oh God damn it, Leroy! God damn it. <laughs> oh, did he just go in there? Oh fuck! <laughs> God damn it, Leroy! <laughs> Amazing picks, Tons. All right, you ready for my picks? You ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm gonna try to one up you, but I don't know about this. So, Josh, um, Neil Brennan, you you're familiar with who that oh, is? Yeah. Yeah, Dave yeah. Chappelle's writing partner. Right, rock and roll. Um, has a new show. I don't know if it's new. He probably filmed these a long time ago. Um, Home for the Weekend at Berkeley with Neil Brennan and the Lonely Island. So it's a 12-minute oh, video. <laughs> it's Neil Brennan with the Lonely Island. It's extremely funny. This should break the internet. It broke the internet for me. I mean, it's on the Lonely Island's page. If you want the ha-has, check this out, 12 minutes. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's Neil Brennan with the, the Lonely Island. They're talking about um, how they create music and stuff and hanging out in Berkeley, California. That's it. That's all I want to give you. That's it. You know, I, I that's it. All right. So um, do, you, do you want to do you want to just quickly explain what the Lonely Island is for those who may not know? I guess. Uh, <laughs> so the Lonely <laughs> Island is uh, Andy Samberg, uh, Kiva, and Torma. Yeah. And uh, they're awesome. And they made, uh, let's see, I just said sex and uh, Lazy Sunday and We Love Sports and uh, We'll box. Kill You, Dick in the Box. 
name it. Uh, Andy Samberg, when he when he went for Saturday Night Live, he said, you should really audition my friends. And they became awesome writers. So yada, yada, yada. Here we are. So that's The Lonely Island and Neil Brennan. Uh, together, it's comedy gold. Also, it's already, I, wanna... I, I've, I picked it out. I've got it ready to roll. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to want to play that. So uh, also Joe Blow videos. They also they do um, the series. What the fuck happened to this movie? WTF happened to this movie like Starship Troopers. They had a great, great um, video. 12 minutes, 54 seconds. Nicolas Cage, the good, the bad and the badass. <laughs> and I don't know who's narrating this video. But he kind of goes through everything that we love about Nicolas Cage, like why you can't take your eyes off him. Even when the movie's bad, you stick with it because, oh, my God, it's Nicolas Cage. And like you don't like the movies when they're just like, OK. You like it when Nicolas Cage dials it up to 11, breaks down his whole career like no one I've ever seen. It's really good. And finally, Josh, are you ready for are, are you familiar with the artist Jodeci? <laughs> yes, I know of Jodeci. <laughs> well, this little lady I have in my house right now, she is an amazing fan of 90s R&B. <laughs> and who isn't? I don't know who this woman is, but the other night she was just in a mood and she just wanted to watch 90s R&B like Freak Me by Silk, which was one of my I I, I know all the words to that song. Um, but broke out some Jodeci. And can I just tell you about this video? The Jodeci freaking you. F-R-E-E-K apostrophe N-U. Freaking you is a sight to behold. I haven't seen this video since I was a kid. Everyone needs to just, everyone needs to watch it. It's Jodeci Vivo. <laughs> Jodeci, Jodeci freaking you is the pick of the week from... My girl, Katie, my God, if you want some 90s R&B in your life, if you're stuck at home with your lady and you got nothing to do, put on Freaking You by Jodeci. That's my pick. Outstanding. <laughs> I'm a Blackstreet guy myself, but yeah. but Jodeci, I, I, I will watch it. Yeah, I, I, I know Josh, Josh and uh, you and Kelly have not met Katie yet. But with that pick right there, I feel like you know what I'm working with. <laughs> a girl that just is from our generation that loves the 90s hip-hop and R&B. Like, uh, when you guys meet, you'll be like, oh, all right, we can hang. <laughs> it's all right. We're, we're all sitting around watching Freak Me by Silk and Freaking Out- You by Jodeci. Outstanding. <laughs> all right, Josh, any shout-outs before we get out of here? But this was an amazing podcast. Josh, thank you. For putting yeah. me on the air without those a holes, yeah, this uh, we was had a this great time. This was one for us, man. Yeah, dude, this is one for the ages. Uh, Josh, I hope you're staying safe. Hope everyone's good. Um, we're all good here, man. We're we're rocking and rolling in the backyard and playing a lot of basketball and baseball. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah I miss you. I miss you, buddy. I know. Ooh, Whenever we can get out of there, and uh, our 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 fearless governor gives the clearance. I'm going to call him personally and say, uh, hey, <laughs> can I uh, get up there uh, to uh, near Rochester? He's going to be like, uh, don't be an asshole. I want to watch the Bills. I'll be like, all right, I'm my bad. <laughs> and then I'll stay home. But until that day, I am Ben Frawley. This was Josh Tanra. This was Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Folks, we will see you next week.